Morning, morning, grace and peace. Good to be here with you guys today. How about this new brand? Huh? How about the drip? I saw Pastor Carter here with the hoodie. He got the hoodie, but he doesn't got the jeans to go with it. He's probably back there in the, in the green room listening to this. But uh, it's good to have you here today. Um, every year, right around this time in the fall, we uh, put before you our vision and our mission as a church. And the reason why we do this is because in order to accomplish our mission and our vision here at Crossbridge, we cannot do it alone. Meaning the pastors, the elders, the staff, we cannot fulfill our mission as a church to renew the city of Miami and other cities with the gospel of Jesus if we're doing it alone. We must do it together. That's the only way that we'll see our vision come into fruition as we see our vision growing is when we learn that we are here not to consume but to be a part of that which God is doing through the life of this church. It's a way, when we fill out these pledges, it's a way for us to say, hey, listen, pastor, we're in this together. It's a way for me to say to you, hey, we're on this together. We are doing this together. Doing what? Making our house a home for every single person in the city of Miami and beyond. You know why it's important that we understand this? Because when people find home, when they find a sense of belonging, that's when real transformation takes place. When people are able to find a place where they're loved, where they're understood, where they can be a part of what's happening, and seeing others also finding a home amongst them, that's transformation. And today we're going to talk about that. And uh, the passage that we have in front of us is a very famous passage. It comes out of the Gospel of Luke. We're going to read from Luke 19 today, and we're going to read verses 1 through 10. You probably heard this story before. If you haven't, let me tell you, this is a great story, okay? That's what the Bible says. There you go. He, meaning Jesus, entered Jericho and was passing through. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. And he was seeking to see who Jesus was. But on account of the crowd, he could not because he was small in stature. So he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was about to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all grumbled. He has gone and to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, since he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. This is the word of the Lord. What I said in the beginning of the sermon is when people find home, that's when real change and transformation happens and takes place. 
as we look into the life of Zacchaeus and how he was transformed by going into a home, let's think about how the people in our city can experience the same level of transformation as they find a home among us. In order to get to that, I want us to reflect on three things in this passage. If you were paying attention to this passage, there's three clear things here. Number one, there's a tree. In this passage, there's a tree. Also, in this passage, there's a crowd. But then lastly, there's a home. A tree, the crowd, and a home. The tree gives us a view of the people around us, your neighbors, your coworkers, your friends, your schoolmates. The crowd allows us to see ourselves. And the home gives us a beautiful picture of our God. First, let's uh, meditate. Let's think about this idea of the tree. In this text here, it says uh, that uh, there was this tree, a sycamore tree, on the way that Jesus was passing by. And the text tells us that there was a man, a short man by the name of Zacchaeus, that wanted to see Jesus, but he could not get through the crowd, and so he climbs up that sycamore tree. And by climbing up that sycamore tree, he gives us meaning. He brings meaning to this tree in this story. First of all, because this tree is a place of curiosity. Who are the people that you know that climb trees today? Besides your landscaping guy, the people that climb trees are little people, are children. I can't go to the park with my seven and four-year-old without them wanting to climb up a tree. If you take your kids to a backyard where there's a climbable tree, not a palm tree or a coconut tree, they're going to want to climb up. Why are kids obsessed and fascinated by trees? Because trees are places of discovery. Trees are places of wonder for kids. They're hoping to find something mysterious up there as they climb, and they're willing to have a different view of the world. In fact, they do when they see things from up there, because it gets boring sometimes always seeing things from down here. So they have to climb up so that they can see things from up there. The text tells us in verse 3 something unique about Zacchaeus, and that is that he was seeking to see who Jesus was. He was seeking to see who Jesus was. And there he is up on that tree because he had heard about Jesus. He had heard about Jesus' fame, and he's thinking to himself, maybe there's more to this man than that just what meets the eyes. Maybe the stories are true, and maybe I can take part in that story. Listen, our city is filled with curious people. Your neighbors are curious. Your coworkers are curious. Your teammates are curious. Your family members and your friends are curious. And people here in the city, they're climbing all sorts of tree, all sorts of trees, and they're asking the question, can there be more to life than just this? 
Is there something that's beyond? Am I missing something that I am not seeing? And the trees that they're climbing on are the social tree. They're climbing the corporate tree. They're climbing the tree of romance. Maybe if I climb up and I taste one of its fruits, I will find what the purpose and meaning of life really is. Maybe I will be happy and maybe I will be fulfilled. Our city is filled with people like that. Don't overlook their need. Don't overlook the fact that like Zacchaeus, they're also seeking. But the tree is also, for Zacchaeus, not just a place of curiosity. The tree also represents here for Zacchaeus a place of exclusion. Because the text tells us something unique about Zacchaeus, right? That he was a chief tax collector and he was rich. The reason why Zacchaeus climbed up on that tree was because he was of low stature. But his physical dilemma was also his social dilemma because he was a tax collector. And tax collectors back then, they were hated by their own people because they were part of that group of people. They were part of that ethnicity. They had grown up in some of the same villages that everyone had grown up but they're now working for the oppressors. They're now working for the Romans. And the Romans would say to tax collectors, I give you freedom to collect taxes. This is the amount that I want at the end of the year. Whatever you charge on top of that, that's your problem. And oftentimes they would. And if they came to your house and you could not pay the taxes, they would take your children, your wife to be a slave. They would seize your possessions. They would seize your homes if they had to. And so they were hated by the people. They were seen as the scum of the earth, the lowest class, traitors. And therefore, the only people that they could hang out with were other tax collectors and prostitutes because they were outsiders like everyone else. And so Zacchaeus is trying to make it into the crowd, and he's pushed out, and the only place he can go, he can't go across, he has to go up. And to be up on that tree means for Zacchaeus, I want to belong. <laughs> to be up on that tree, as Zacchaeus was up on that tree, meant I'm looking for a place for someone that can give me a sense of belonging, someone that can give me a sense of home. And that, uh, you know, reminds us that while in our city we have people that are filled with curiosity, there are people that also feel excluded here. I uh, mentioned to you other times before about this article that I read in the Huffington Post a few years ago about this man that lived in some of, of the you know, main world-class cities. And he spent some time in Miami, maybe a year or two, and he leaves Miami, and then he writes this piece into the Huffington Post. And this is what he says. He says, Miami is a beautiful city, has amazing weather. Come on, amen, today. This is the time of the year that we say to ourselves, this is why we live here. 
He says, the city is great in that sense, but he said, it was the loneliest place that I've ever lived before. Your neighbors, while they're curious, your co-workers, while they're curious, your classmates, while they're curious, they're also very lonely. Do not overlook that. They feel excluded. They feel excluded because this city has a very different culture. If you've moved here from the outside, we have a lot of people now moving in. In the last year, I have like three neighbors from New York right around my block. And when you come here, you think that you're still in the United States, but you actually really aren't. <laughs> because 51% of the people in Miami are foreign-born. And there's this culture that sometimes you cannot break through. There's the obsession with image. That if you can't look like you're the people that you see out on the beach or now walking around Brickell, you're like, oh my gosh, I feel horrible about myself. Then there is the cost, which is going up. There is the crowdedness, which is also getting worse. There's also the transiency factor. And you make friends here, and after a year or two, you feel that, oh, man, I found a really good friend. And then they're like, hey, I'm moving out of the twilight zone in a few months. See you. It's a hard city to live in. It's a beautiful city, but it's a hard city. It's a city where very, there are very few churches. Churches are key and they are essential in connecting people to others and connecting people to needs. And that's why we're here as a church, because they're curious people. And they're also people that feel excluded, that are longing for a home. That's actually what's behind the family of churches of Crossbridge. That's why we have five locations here, and we have two more congregations uh, specifically geared towards immigrants. We have a Chinese community and a Spanish-speaking community, and that's why we want to see more because we want people to have their curiosity met but also find a sense of belonging among us. So that's the people that you see. That's the people that you do life with. But what about us? We see ourselves in the crowd. You know, and this crowd here is marked by two things. Number one, this crowd is marked by contradiction. They're marked by contradiction. Why are they not letting Zacchaeus approach to see Jesus? Why aren't they saying, hey, let's open some space here. Let the man through. He needs to see as well, why are they not accommodating him? Yes, because they hated him, but it was deeper than that. They saw themselves as better than Zacchaeus. They looked down at Zacchaeus in more than one way. They looked down at Zacchaeus because they thought that they were actually better than him. Not just because they had a higher physical stature, but because they thought that they had a higher moral stature than Zacchaeus. And here's the contradiction in that. Ready? Here's the contradiction. People that look down on others are not looking up to God, at least not enough. Now, why do I say that? Here's how I imagine sometimes Christians. Christians are like people that are on a boat. And water has come in 
the lower compartment. And there have people that have drowned in that lower compartment. And some Christians are looking up, down to those people in the lower compartments, and they're saying, I'm so glad I'm up here that I'm not drowning such as them, except that they forget that the whole ship is underwater. (laughs) It does not matter whoever is drowning in the lower compartments if the whole ship is underwater. See, when you compare your two feet advantage when it comes to your moral stature to someone else, you forget the distance that exists between you and God. And it doesn't matter if you're a couple feet higher than somebody morally, if you are billions and millions and trillions of years of lights away from the holiness of God. See, when God sees us, he looks at us from above, much like when you are landing on a plane and you see people walking up and down the street. You don't know who is seven feet tall, who is six feet tall, who is four, three, and two when you're looking from above. And that's how God sees us all. We're all sinners in need of grace. I frankly think that the Critique that people in our culture has towards Christians is accurate and it's right when they say those people are power obsessed, they are self-righteous and mean and bigoted. Many times I say, I totally agree with you. And here's the problem, it's because we forget that salvation is not because of our performance. It's not because of anything that we have done, and salvation is utterly and ultimately by grace. And so if somebody that's been saved by the grace of God cannot afford to look down at anyone else because the gospel liberates you from that because it reminds you of who you were and what distance you had to God and what God has done to close that gap and bring you near. And let me tell you something here. If you're here today... And you are someone like Zacchaeus. You're seeking. You may be seeking. I want to tell you that do not allow the self-righteousness, the bigotness of certain Christians to keep you from seeing Jesus. Climb that tree. Stay on that tree if you have to. And look through and over the crowd. Try to find Jesus for who you are. Just because they're hypocritical Christians does not mean that Jesus was hypocritical. And so you have to find out Jesus for yourself. But not only does that multitude, it's not multitude filled with contradiction, but they, they're, they're, there's an irony to their contradiction as well. They are the people that should have been ushering Zacchaeus in. See, this passage happens in Palestine. Most of these people are Israelites. They were familiar with the teaching of the prophets in the Old Testament that the reason why God told them, hey, be kind to the foreigners, be kind to the immigrants, be kind to the people that have less, be kind, is because you were also at some point an immigrant. At some point you were an outsider. You are a covenant breaker, but I still keep pursuing you in love. Israel was meant to be a light to the nations. They were supposed to usher people in the presence of God. But yet the same people that were once outsiders, 
that were ushered in by God. As Jesus is going to Jericho, the very city that Jesus gave to them to inhabit, when they were homeless, <laughs> the very same people are keeping others on the outside. They are keeping others away. And, and here is the irony of this truth. Those who leave others out forget that they have been let in. If you're here today, if you have found a home in Jesus, if you have found a home among us, somebody has let you in. Somebody has opened the door for you. No one gets to Jesus by themselves. And somebody says, oh, but I, I, I read the Bible by myself and that's how I came to faith. Yeah, but somebody, number one, wrote the Bible. Then somebody translated the Bible. And then maybe somebody put it on a store shelf that you bought or somebody bought you the Bible or gave you the Bible. That Bible maybe is someone else in the house that made it available there for you to read. You did not come to Jesus by yourself. Somebody opened the door for you. And here's the danger for some of us that have come to find a home in Jesus. You know what it is? We come in and we're more focused with who is in than those who are not in yet. And we come in and we find, oh, I found great friends. Oh, I found an opportunity to serve. This is great. You come in and you shut the door behind. It's kind of like, you know, the problem that we have in America. We're a nation of immigrants that have, are shutting the door down, uh, behind them to others that are coming. Hey, the reason why you're here is because the door was open in the first place. And many of us Christians are like that. We walk in the house. We find the comfort. We encounter friends. We build deep relationships, we eat from the table, but we close the door behind us. And that's ironic, isn't it? See, the reason why we are here as a church is because we all believe that we have been saved by grace and others need to experience salvation by grace. And if that's going to happen, if that's going to take place, we cannot shut the door behind us. This house got to be a home for everyone else. Don't be like this crowd. Let's not be like this crowd. This is what this campaign is all about. So that we don't turn ourselves into this crowd. So that we don't become inward focused but outward focused like Jesus. And that leads us obviously to third picture in this passage, which is the picture of the home. Jesus is walking by and he gets to the place where Zacchaeus is, up on that tree. Everybody has forgotten about Zacchaeus. No one is looking back or up. Jesus stops and he looks up and he sees him. He sees Zacchaeus like a, in a way that Zacchaeus has never been seen before. And the words of Jesus to Zacchaeus are, Zacchaeus, come down because I must stay at your house today. I must stay at your house today. Zacchaeus hears Jesus inviting him to his own home. It's kind of like what my dad as a pastor used to do. He's very famous for that. He would go into his church and he would point at people and say, hey, I want to invite myself to your house on Wednesday night. Cook something for me. That's what Jesus does. He invites himself into Zacchaeus' house. The text is very clear to say house. 
And the text ends with Jesus in Zacchaeus' house. And notice this, Zacchaeus has a house, but he doesn't have a home. This passage has both a house and a home. The house is what Zacchaeus has. It's probably like a really nice house located in Pinecrest because he was rich, filled with nice stuff. But because of the life he lived, he was alone. He was alone. His house was full of stuff, but his heart was empty. His life was empty. Zacchaeus had a house, but he did not have a home. There are a lot of people here that live in beautiful houses, drive beautiful cars, but all they have are houses. They do not have homes. And like Zacchaeus, they also need a home. The home in this passage is not built of brick and mortar. The home in this passage is not a home where there is like a literal roof over your head. The home in this passage is flesh and blood. The home in this passage is a person. The home in this passage is a person that goes into people's houses and he makes every house a home when he comes in. Jesus is the home that we all long to dwell in. What's missing from your life, you may have all sorts of things, accumulated a lot of titles, but what's missing from your life, what's missing in your house is the person of Jesus that turns every house into a home. That's when all curiosity is met. That's when all sense of belonging is realized when Jesus comes into people's lives. And that's what we are committed to here at Crossbridge, to take the home of Jesus into their houses, to bring the indwelling of God into their spaces, into their lives. And this is a unique home. Why? Three reasons why this is a very unique home. Number one, because this is a home on the move. It's interesting about Jesus. When you read about Jesus in the gospel accounts, Jesus doesn't camp in one place and he says, hey, I'm going to preach these amazing sermons. I'm going to perform these miracle services. And you guys invite all your friends to come over here and we'll get business done. When you read the gospel accounts, Jesus is doing what we read here in the very first verse. He entered Jericho and he was passing through. He is passing through from town to town. He is taking the indwelling of God to people, not expecting people to come to him. And if we are going to be a church, if we're going to be a people that follows Jesus, that has got to be our mission as well. to take what we got wherever they are at. That's why there's a family of churches that's growing here in the city. That's why it's important to us that people hear the gospel because they are transformed when they do. And here's the second reason why this home is so special. It's because it's a home to belong. This is the only home that you can truly be assured that you belong.
the only reason why Jesus could stop by where Zacchaeus was at and look up that tree and say, Zacchaeus, come down, is because Jesus is willing to climb up that tree later on for Zacchaeus. That's the reason. You don't understand that in the passage, right? But the reason why Jesus says to Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus, leave that place of exclusion. Come, find the answer to all your questions. Come down, come to belong is because Jesus is saying to Zacchaeus, I'm willing to take your place. And later on, several chapters later, what does Jesus do? But climb up the tree of death. Jesus climbs up that cross so that people like Zacchaeus, people like you and I can come down. And when you understand this, when people truly realize this, this is a game changer for everyone. Because Jesus not only becomes an example, Jesus not only becomes a teacher or a prophet, but Jesus becomes Savior. And the reason why I can be loved by God is not because I perform. The reason why I can be loved by God is because I have a high moral stature, but because I have been loved by Jesus Christ. Because Jesus has taken my place of rejection so I can take his place of acceptance. And that's why the gospel must be preached. And that's why the gospel must be demonstrated through deeds of mercy and justice like we're doing next week. But this house is also a place of transformation. For whoever comes in into the indwelling of God, that's Jesus Christ. Who John the evangelist says, he is God with us. He is Emmanuel, God with us. Who is Jesus? Jesus is God with us. Whoever enters this indwelling of God in the person of Jesus experiences true transformation. Zacchaeus experiences transformation. How does the passage end with Zacchaeus being transformed? We read there in verse 8, Jesus is now there with him and here stands Zacchaeus. And I think he's a little tipsy here in the way I imagine him. Holding a glass of wine, maybe shaking and spilling over laughing out loud with his friends, and he looks at Jesus. And he says, behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor, and if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it full fourfold. He says, not only am I willing because of this to give half of everything that I got, but everyone who I stole from, I'm willing to restore fourfold. See, the Jewish law only prescribed a 20% restoration of what you have stolen from somebody. Zacchaeus is saying, I'm willing to restore 400%. Why is he talking about money in such a radically generous way? Because Zacchaeus found the ultimate treasure in the person of Jesus Christ and all of the glories and all of the shining of all the other treasures now look really, really dim compared to what he had found in Jesus. And he said to himself, the same way that I found Jesus, I want others to find Jesus as well. See, notice how this transformation piece here happens. Zacchaeus doesn't say, Jesus, I'm willing to give 400% over and above that which I have stolen from people. Will you love me? Will you accept me? Will you be my friend? No, he does it in response to Jesus going ahead of him and saying, you are welcome. You can belong. You are rejected, but before me you are accepted. 
And it's out of that experience of transformation that Zacchaeus now demonstrates radical generosity. The way that the, way that the movement of Jesus keeps growing through the church big C and through Crossbridge in the years to come is only through transformation stories of lives like, like Zacchaeus that have found a home in Jesus. There's no other way. It's not about people writing big checks. It's not about our strategies. It's about people finding a home in Jesus among us. That's how things perpetuate. We are saved to be saved. We are transformed to see transformation. We are healed so that others can heal. We are found so that others can be found. And let me tell you, this year, there have been dozens of people that have found a home in Jesus within our church family. And I want to share a story of a man in a little bit that has found a home among us. And how the gospel transformed him and what now he sees in light of the fact that he's been loved and found in Jesus. Please watch the story of Pierre. Pierre de Agostini. And usually I say it's a great name to sell cheese because one of my business is selling dairy. So I start, I say, you know, I have the background. Along the years, my, uh, my wife, is a uh, uh, family is pa uh, pastor, so I go to the church, but it didn't really, it didn't really work. You know, it, it, I didn't, it's, it's in me. I take full responsibility, but I didn't have that. But I say to her, look, if you find me a church, that is close by. I have to admit, I say, you find a church that's close by, okay. With content, I say, I want a church with content. And all of a sudden she said to me, I think I found it. I said, oh, really? She says, yes, it's the Presbyterian Church in Kibiscane, Crossbridge. And she said to me, and I cannot tell me it's far because it's a few minutes away. I said, oh, okay. I go, I told you I go, I go. I went there and um, it was really amazing. It has been amazing. So when my son was born, I think I discovered a lot of things. One of them is he had to stay in the hospital for three months. That was difficult. That was really, really difficult. When your son is only two pounds, there's a lot of medical issues. And the doctors, they are, and we appreciate that, they talk to you straight and they tell you the truth. And one of the truth is that maybe your son is not going to make it. So it's very difficult in those three months, every month is a battle. And now when we see our son doing so, so well, incredibly well, we, we just cannot be more thankful for everything, but we are also persuaded there was the hand of God behind. He, he, he cannot be, he's just too different. Almost like he has seen something that we have not seen. That's why when he says, I want to get baptized, I say, he has seen God. I should follow his path. There is a true, deep, profound 
message. It's something that is not the same. So I say to my wife, who uh, has been a de devoted uh, uh, Christian for decades, I say, what do you think is happening? And she says, well, God and Jesus are talking to you. That's what she told me. That's the interesting answer. I say, maybe you're right. Our goal, our mission is to share because I see the way it has impacted my life. The only way I can see making any sense of all of this is to share. Man. He said, the, the only way I can see this making sense is to share. That's how he ended. We didn't plan this. He just said it. And you know what's cool? What's cool is this, is that I did not personally, by myself, lead Pierre to Christ. We did it together. We opened the doors together. You're saying here, well, but I, he's in Key Biscayne. I'm here at Pinecrest. Yeah, but you allowed us to go to Key Biscayne. You allowed resources to be invested there. You allowed staff to be invested there. You have prayed for that campus. You have been there. You have served there as well. We're doing this together. We're seeing people finding a home in Jesus together. And if you want to be a part of Crossbridge, it doesn't mean just coming on Sundays. You can come on Sundays. That's great. We'll keep a seat here for you. We'll give you coffee on the way out. We'll give you a hug. I'll prepare a good sermon for you. The band will play. We'll take care of your kids in the back. But that's not what it means to be a part of Crossbridge. To be a part of Crossbridge means to be on the move with Crossbridge. There are those who are spectators and those who have found a sense of belonging and are on the move with us as well. So don't stay out. Today, do not leave without taking one of these envelopes and recommitting yourself to the vision and the mission that God has given you. You're, like I said last week, don't think, yeah, God may use me in the future. God wants to use you in the now. And the now is this. And here's your opportunity to respond. We're on the move, and you are to join us because we want you to join us. We need you to join us. Jesus is calling you to join us, okay? So let's pray. Father, we are uh, grateful that you have invited us in, and we have found a home among you and amongst each other. And so, Father, our prayer is that as we talk about our vision and our mission now and to the years to come, Father, we, we, we pray that you would remind us of the sacrifice that has brought us in, that has brought us near. Father, um, allow us to become means by which others come into an encounter with you. May we be open doors into the kingdom for others. Father, give us that sense of purpose. There's nothing more joyful that I have experienced in my life, Father, than to see people like Pierre and Zacchaeus and others come to faith in you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.